0: Greetings, T-Majulam! Karibuni sana tena! We are now on our third episode of a series that we started on the book of Daniel. And I hope you guys have already caught up on the last two episodes. We are now on our third episode and we are still on chapter one of the book of Daniel, which is super exciting. Love this book and I'm so excited about doing this series. Anyway, today I have a lot to share, so let's just get right into it. So we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 1 from verse 1 to 16 at this moment in time. I want to read it, so allow me to read it. chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and give them vegetables instead. This is the word of the Lord. Now, over the last two weeks, we dove deep into the context around what was happening at this moment in time when this was written, right? In terms of what was the context around what was going on at that moment in time for these people, right? And we talked about this extensively over the last two episodes, that the Israelites had been sent into captivity, right? And Daniel and his friends, as we discussed previously, had been sent into exile. Now, it's important to understand, first and foremost, like we've discussed, that these guys were prisoners of war, right? They had been carried off from their homeland into Babylon as prisoners. Are we together? And not only had they been carried off as prisoners, they had also been taken to a land that is hostile towards God Almighty. All right? And it's evidenced by the fact that they had no regard. They even went into the temple and took some of the treasure from the temple. All right? Now, as we discussed in the first episode, this was a very tragic moment for the Israelites. Right? And I'm sure it was no different for Daniel and his friends for them to be carried off into this foreign land against their will. Right? Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, just like any conqueror, what he does is that he comes and he takes the spoils of the land, right? So he took the treasure of the temple. If you remember, we just read that. He took the treasure of the temple and put it into the temple of his God, right? But this is the thing that's interesting, is that Nebuchadnezzar did not only want the treasure, like literal treasure, he also wanted the human resource treasure, right? From Judah. So what he did is that because he had captured judah's nobility the noble people in judah and the people the royal the 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 royalty and nobles right who would have basically in judah represented the best and brightest individuals so he basically instructed his official his chief official right in the king's court and he says to them i want you to bring me young men without any physical defect handsome showing aptitude for every kind of learning well informed quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace." <laughs> well, he, uh, Nebuchadnezzar needed them to be handsome, right? <laughs> he didn't like ugly, ugly people around him. So, so, so what we can do basically you know, take out from this is that uh, Daniel and his friends were very handsome, right? They were handsome guys, right? So now, Daniel and his friends were selected for this service. Now, based off of this selection, like I just said, It means that Daniel and his friends were from noble backgrounds. The second thing is that they were probably teenagers. And on top of that, they were also handsome. (laughs) They were also handsome. Now I want you to put yourself in their shoes, right? These guys have just been taken as prisoners. Daniel and his three friends have just been taken as prisoners. and. These guys, number one, are teenagers, right? They are teenagers, they've been selected to join this training program, and they have the possibility of joining the king's service. Now, the thing that is so amazing about this is because I can imagine that for these guys, and not just these guys, but even for their families, this was probably like something incredible for them, right? Because these guys had been sent as prisoners into Babylon. The expectation for you as a prisoner was for you to be treated like slaves. Right? It's not for you to come and enter into the king's service. So in the midst of this dire situation, these guys who have been taken away as prisoners, there is literally an opportunity for them to join government. Right? Right? This is, the, this, is, this is fascinating and the thing that's amazing about this is that we already begin to see God's grace at work in that Daniel and his three friends were selected for service in the sense that they hadn't yet, but they were selected to be trained with the possibility of being able to enter into the king's service, which is a big deal. This would have been a huge breakthrough for him, for them, and for their families, right? Especially considering because they were in exile, right? And the the thing as prisoners in exile, you don't expect to come into the king's service, to come and operate in government. You expect to be treated as slaves. Right? So now Daniel and his friends would have an opportunity to live you know, a pretty decent life of a, while in exile. And the thing that's interesting is that this was actually God's intention for those he sent into exile. Where he says, those guys who refuse to go into exile, what will happen for them is that they will suffer greatly. But those who choose to go into exile, Jeremiah 29, 1-7 says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I are carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so the thing is, is that in even in this, what seemed to be a dire situation, God had a plan. And interestingly, this verse that we just read in Jeremiah, this verses that we just read in Jeremiah 29 is where we get the popular verse in Jeremiah 29:11, where God says to his people, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so what seems to be this dire and hopeless situation, God has a plan for his people, a plan not to harm them, a plan to give them a hope and a future. And so this was an amazing opportunity that had befallen Dalian and his friends while they were prisoners in Babylon, right? These young men were to be trained for three years in the language and literature of the babylonians and on top of that they were also to receive a daily amount of food from the king's table basically they were to be fed from the king's kitchen and they were also given new names right now the thing is is that i want us to be able to understand this a little bit further right and the thing is is that learning the language and literature of the babylonians and changing the names of these young men wasn't about education. It was about indoctrination. Alright? They, they weren't here to be educated. They were here to be indoctrinated. This is part of the reason why they went as far as changing their names. Right? They were to learn Babylonian language, they were to learn Babylonian literature, they were to learn Babylonian astronomy, architecture, their religions, their customs, and all this was designed to cause them to think and act like Babylonians so as to be fit to enter into the king's service. Are we together? Now, this indoctrination was to the extent that not only like this way to, you know, it's not just education. It was to the extent of literally also changing their names If you remember in the Old Testament, that names were a big deal. It was really about identity, right? That's part of the reason why God would come and he'd be like, you're from Abraham to Abraham, right? You're from from, uh, Jacob to Israel. Like the whole thing about names is about identity. And so these guys, because they're being indoctrinated into Babylonian culture, went to the extent of having their names changed from God honoring Hebrew names to names that honored Babylonian gods. Belteshazzar. These were all things that were about their gods. Right? Now, the thing to realize is that the law of Moses, which is what it is that the Israelites were about, right? This was the the, the law of Moses, did not prohibit learning the language and culture of a foreign nation. But what was consistently prohibited was worshipping a foreign nation's The worship of foreign nations gods was the thing that God was just like, I ain't about that life. We're not going to do that. You have to set yourself apart from these other nations because I don't want you to worship their gods. And so these teenagers are in the process of being assimilated into Babylonian culture. And while undergoing this process, they would be rewarded with food and wine from the king's kitchen. They would, in a very literal sense, be eating royal food. Food fit for a king. These are guys who are prisoners. So these are some of the sweet things that the king is giving to these guys as the means, as part of the means of indoctrinating them into Babylonian culture so that he can use them for the building of Babylon. Are we together? But the thing that it says here is that it says that Daniel and his friends resolved not to defile themselves with the royal food and wine. So they were okay with the whole thing of learning, all the things that they were going to learn. They were okay with their names being changed. But this was where they drew the line. Why? The thing is, is that though learning foreign languages and cultures was not prohibited by the law of Moses, eating food and drink offered to idols was. And not only food offered to idols, but also we are told that they were also forbidden for eating from eating certain types of food, right? And so the thing is, is that we're not told also where this meat from the king is coming from, the king's table is coming from. There were specific creatures that could not be eaten. According to the law of Moses, for example, in Leviticus 11 from f- verse 41 to 45, it says every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not define yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. Note what it says. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Defile. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. And so Daniel, together with his friends, are determined not to defile themselves. And so what Daniel does is that he asks the chief official for permission to not defile himself. Now the thing is is that for him, Daniel, just him making this request, remember, these guys are teenagers and they are prisoners, right? Who have been extended this incredible grace by King Nebuchadnezzar to be able to have an opportunity to join the king's service. And so even him coming to request this official, this chief official, Right? Was incredibly courageous, incredibly courageous for him to come and, 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 and actually say that, that uh, this, this king's food is, is defiling us. Hey, my friend, I can imagine this. Obviously, if this chief official had gone to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, and said, These guys don't want to eat your food because they consider it, they consider your generosity as defilement, right? I'm sure the king would not have taken that well, right? But instead it says, in this scripture, it says that God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. That even in as much as the chief official rejected his request, the place in which the, the favor and compassion was demonstrated was because the official responded favorably in the sense that he told them, I can't do that, but he didn't react in a way that he's just like, Man, how can you say that this food is defilement? How can you even dare say that? Right? Let's throw these guys out of this, of this king's service because these guys are disrespectful towards the king's generosity. But it says that God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. In, that, in as much as he rejected their request, he did not go and stucky them. But the thing is that happens is, as much as he rejected the request, Daniel doesn't give up. He's determined to ensure that he doesn't defile himself. And he says to now the guard who had been appointed, so this is the chief official that he went to ask. Then there's the guard now who has to come and literally give them the food. And he says to the guard appointed by the chief official, test us for 10 days. Just test us for 10 days with nothing but vegetables and water. And then you can compare our appearance to that of the other Guys who eat the royal food, and so the guy agrees. The guy is just like, ah, let me just check. Let me let me be a part of this experiment, a continuation of God's compassion and grace towards Daniel and his friends. And it says that after ten days, they looked better than everyone else, and from that point on, the guard continued to give them vegetables and water instead. So that Daniel and his friends would not defile themselves. So you can already see God's grace at work so mightily. Number one, by them being selected to be able to join the king's service. The fact that they were even given the opportunity to do that. The fact that the chief official did not starchy them for being able to ask that they would not be defiled by the generosity of the king in providing the royal food. But even the third thing is the fact that this God agreed to test them for 10 days. And the fourth thing being, that God, after those 10 days, made those guys glow Harder than anyone else who was eating the royal food, God's grace at work through and through this very difficult situation. This is a very difficult place that these guys are in and this difficult position that these guys are in. And God is continuously demonstrating through and through His compassion and favor towards Daniel and his friends. And all these guys did was determine within themselves that they did not want to defile themselves. And God literally demonstrated his favor and grace towards them by helping them not fall into temptation. Now, there's a couple of things you can learn from this story. right? And remember last week when I talked about the fact that, even the week before, that the book of Daniel is such a great analogy for how we as believers live in this world. Right? We talked about that last time. Like, this is such a beautiful analogy of how we as believers ought to live in this world. Now, Daniel and his friends are living in an environment that had no regard for God. Right? To the Babylonians, God, Daniel's God is just, might as well be like any other God that they worshipped. He, you know, he wasn't any special any, or any different from any other God. And we live in a similar environment, right? But here's the thing. Just like it happened for Daniel and his friends. We literally live in a world actively seeking to indoctrinate us. Actively seeking to indoctrinate us. Just like Daniel and his friends, we are living in a world that is set up to cause us to think and act in a certain pattern. If you consider, for example how Daniel and his friends were even just, let's start from the very beginning, how even they were selected to join the king's service. It's not too different from the pattern of this world, where your status, your outward appearance, and your intellect is more important than the state of your heart. It says here that he ordered, that that they were ordered, he was ordered, the, the, uh, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And the thing that is so interesting is this is that God's way, on the other hand, Does not look at a person's status, outward appearance, intellect, but instead looks at the heart. A stark contrast to how we ourselves have been conditioned to look at people. Samuel 16 and verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, I remember... Couple of years ago, not couple, many many years ago, I had joined my aunt to go to. Uh, it was KICC. It was the Chief Bishop of um, one one of these churches, um, Winners Chapel. I'm not saying anything about Winners Chapel, but anyway, whatever. So. I go for this thing and I'm just there. I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm listening to this thing. And so this, this bishop, I don't know what his name is. So he's preaching and he's saying, he's speaking this message and he talks about how there's this guy uh, that he met a few years back when he had come to Kenya. And he met this guy and when he met this guy, this guy was in, uh, you know, tattered clothes, whatever, all those things. And it says that this guy came to, to, to faith in Christ. And he came and he prayed for the guy and he was just like, yeah, yeah, this guy, you know, whatever. Then he talks about how he came back two years later. I believe it was two years later. And when he saw this guy, he was like, he saw this guy yet again and he was still wearing tattered clothes. And he's just there like, how can this man claim to know God and he is still wearing tattered clothes? And I remember thinking to myself at that time, and I was very young at that point in time, I remember thinking, I'm like, wow. So he's judging this guy's knowledge and relationship with God based on his clothes, but he didn't ask the question of, is this guy more patient? Is he more kind? Is he more loving? Is he manifesting the fruit of the Spirit? So meaning that his whole way of being able to determine whether transformation has happened in this person's life is based off of all the outward things that should have changed in this man's life. But he never asked the question of, has Jesus Christ changed this man's heart? This is literally what we're talking about here. That the world indoctrinates us into being able to think that the way in which we're able to determine someone who is blessed by God is literally from what they look like on the outside. Yet, it says that God is actually (laughs) more concerned about what's going on on the inside of a person's heart. What is going on in the inside of a person's life. And what this mindset has done, it has caused us to place so much importance more on the outward things than the things that really matter. We are more impressed by the outward appearances and assume that those who look great, who have high status, who have high intellect, are those highly favored by God. In fact, this has never been more true than when we look at now the social media fake world. Where we have been literally indoctrinated and trained into believing to convert what we see on the outside, relationship goals. I want to be a Beyonce, Jay-Z. That time you don't even know what's going on in that home. But the way it looks, the pictures, everything on the outside. And so what we are consumed by is outward appearances. There's this guy that I, that, that, um, I see, the guy I've seen on social media is a guy who is always rolling with all these babes, you know. And I see all there in the comments where guys are just there like, man, girls, this guy just is always with babes. So we love the outward appearance, but we don't see the emptiness in this man's heart. We don't know if the fact that he's, he has suicidal thoughts or the fact that he's completely dissatisfied, dissatisfied with his life. What we want is the outward appearance, but never what it is that's on the inside. We never, ever look at what's on the inside. And so we've bought into this fake world. And we have been indoctrinated into it. A world that is all about outward appearances. And so just like Daniel and his friends, moving on, is that we are also being indoctrinated into the language, the literature, the astronomy, the architecture, the religions and customs of Babylon. And this world is no different. Like we are literally just like Daniel's and his friends having the same experience. In terms of the world seeks to indoctrinate, indoctrinate us into its language. Where we've been conditioned to very easily speak negatively of ourselves and of others. It's just banter. It's sarcasm. Yet the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.21 that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Jesus talked about this all the time, about the fruit of the tongue. But it's says banter. It's just banter. We've been indoctrinated into the literature of this world to the extent that we can more easily quote a book on the 10 steps to financial success than what God says to us about money. We know more about the secrets, than we do about the Bible. We have been so indoctrinated so deeply into astronomy that we fully judge people's character based off of it. We are more easily, we can more easily quote every star sign and what it means than for us to be able to quote the promises of God for us in Christ Jesus. Where it's, be, this thing's for like, I remember I used to do this, way. it's just like, you go and you're just like, am I compatible with this person? And you're just like, uh, oh, they're a Capricorn. <laughs> and you're just like, and you completely disregard, disregard every single thing that God talks to us about how we ought to love one another and how we ought to relate with one another. You know, it's interesting. I remember one time where, um, there was there was a time where there was this thing that everyone was talking about on social media called the Mercury retrograde. Ret, retro, retro, retrograde, yes, retrograde, right? Where it's this thing where it's just like everything that's supposed to go wrong would go wrong, right? And now this 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 the, this this whole Mercury retrograde was one that was coming for everything, and especially relationships. And I remember in my own relationship uh, with my babe, where we were having, like, we had, like, a tiff and it was such a random tiff that was happening. So bizarre, right? The most bizarre tiff ever. And I remember just, like, later on, um, we met with another friend of ours who was also having some relationship issues. And uh, I don't know how it is that we ended up, like, I think she was a seen it somewhere, I was just like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Now we started discussing, could this be the Mercury retrograde, right? So I kind of quietly went inside, googling this thing about like, what, what the heck, what what is this thing? And I remember as I was looking at it, and I remember as I was looking at this thing and just seeing, I was just like, oh my goodness, could this be a thing? Could this be like a thing that's happening in like the spiritual realm, whatever, all that stuff. And then here's the thing that happened, is that as I looked at that, the thing that literally that the Lord put on my heart, and I remember discussing this with my partner is where it was just like here's the thing that everyone here is talking about something that's happening in the universe but we know the God of the universe and so we literally sat there and we prayed and we prayed about this and so whatever this thing that was supposed to be the thing that was supposed to come and be like oh this is the whatever that's going to be we could have easily sat there and just been like oh it's the retrograde it's the, it's this, it's the astronomy but forgetting that we serve the living God, the God of the universe, the God of all things, the God who is above all things. And for us is that we've been so indoctrinated into these things that we literally submit our lives to them and we forget whom we serve. We forget that we've served the God who is above the moon and the stars. We serve the God who's above the sun, who's above all these things, the God who created all these things and is above all these things. That though there may be some form of power by these things, we know the God who is the most high God, who is above all things and who has elevated us and that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and that we have authority that he has given unto us. That no weapon fashioned against us will prosper, whether it's from the enemy or from the retrograde, wherever it's from, will not prosper against us because we know the living God. We've been so subtly indoctrinated indoctrinated into all manner of false religions and customs of this world, where we are taught God's truths, but without God in them. For example, the new buzzword these days, we see it all over the place, is manifesting, where we are taught to manifest our desires. Oprah says it this way, manifestation is bringing something tangible into your life through attraction and belief that is if you think it it will come. Now the thing that is so interesting about this is that it is literally a half truth. Jesus spoke about what is now called manifesting in this way in Mark 11:22 from uh, in Mark 11 from verse 22 to 24 where he says, "Have faith in God," Jesus answered, "Truly I tell you, If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And so what manifesting does, and this is so interesting because literally if you remember the temptation of Jesus Christ, where the enemy literally, the second temptation, he comes to him with scripture, meaning that the enemy understands scripture and he came to deceive him with scripture. And he says here, the thing that's so interesting, this manifesting philosophy is that what he does is that he takes that middle part and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen. And teaches that, and removes the part that Jesus teaches us about have faith in God. Manifesting as it's taught removes God and places us instead. It takes God out of the equation. It's a half-truth. And it's literally, when you think about it, it's exactly how the enemy tried to deceive Jesus. These are some of the things that the world has indoctrinated us us into believing. Because when you listen to it, it's like, man, there's some faith in that. But it's not the fullness of what it is that Jesus taught us. So it's a half-truth. And all these things are constantly being thrown at us to indoctrinate us. Now the thing that is so interesting about the book of Daniel is that it teaches us there's nothing wrong with knowing about manifestation or about astrology or reading secular literature, right? I mean, this is what we experience everywhere. you are going to read about books about marketing, books about like all kinds of things, all kinds of literature, books about love, relationships, all these things. But the issue comes when these things supersede the authority of what God says to us through his word and through Jesus Christ. Every ideology and practice ought to be evaluated against what God says. Romans 12 says to us that do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The thing is, is that we renew our minds through God's word. Daniel and his friends, they knew... That it wasn't against God's word to learn these foreign ideologies. But when it came to consuming the food and wine from the king's table, they knew that that was in contradiction to God's word. And what they did is that they purposed within themselves that they would not defile themselves by going against God's word. Because when we go against God's word, we are defiling ourselves. You know, the word defile here is actually the word for the equivalent is because there are many ministers the word defile. Um, but this is not the one for, like, the sexual defiling. This is the, the, the defiling of polluting or trying to stain something. So when you try to, when you pollute something or you stain something. So this is the thing that's so interesting, is that this is oftentimes what sin feels like, right? I remember, like, when I was a prisoner to pornography and i remember that every time after i would watch it i'd be like oh you know you get that kind of like sensation but it's like after you feel this kind of sense of like you've polluted yourself this this feeling of of pollution right and this is kind of what this is talking about that 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 the defilement that comes that that daniel did not and his friends did not want to be defiled Now, the thing that is so interesting that's different from the time of Daniel is that we have a more elaborate experience of God because of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is that because of his Holy Spirit living inside of us, there are even times where there are things that are not expressly forbidden in God's word, but leave us feeling defiled or polluted. Right? For example, for me, again, this is the only examples I can give oftentimes for me. In terms of, the, I've been feeling a, you know, a bit unsettled about my conception of social media, right? In terms of, sometimes I constantly find myself just like being on my phone, checking all kinds of social media sites. And the thing that's so interesting is that there are times where when I'm done, I feel this kind of like unsettling in my spirit, almost like that cap pollution that I'm talking about, where I feel polluted. Right? I feel kind of quote unquote defiled. Right? Something has invaded my heart. Something has invaded my peace. Right? So this is a clear indication for me from the Holy Spirit. It's not expressly forbidden over there in in the way it's you know, in terms of like in scripture, like stay away from Instagram. (laughs) Right? But there's a sense of a defilement that's happening. And this is the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who's literally there to be able to convict us of that which is defiling us, even though it's not expressly mentioned in Scripture. And Paul speaks about this, and this is so dope, because when Paul speaks about this in Romans 14, ironically, Paul here is speaking about food offered to idols, similar to the situation with Daniel and his friends, right? Where he says, and I really like this, the the first verse where he says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> ah, so literally now, Paul here is is it's, it's so amazing how like post Jesus, <laughs> it's like Daniel's position would be considered like weak faith. <laughs> oh my goodness! This is, let me tell you, Jesus has done so much for us. Like this is so. There were there were literally over six hundred and something laws that were written for these guys to be able to do. And Jesus Christ comes and he says, I have accomplished all those things and there's only two things that I require of you, that you love God and that you love your neighbor as yourself. How beautiful is that? So anyway, we have an amazing savior. So that's not the point of why I was reading that. Now verse 19, Paul shows us a more excellent way in regards to this issue of food offered to idols. And it is one of love and faith. He says, let us therefore... In verse 19, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. What I want to bring out here is where he says, But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. This here is where we learn that if something that you are doing that gives you that polluted sense, that it is probably, that thing is probably defiling you. And like Daniel, we have to purpose in our hearts to reject it. Daniel and his friends sought to honor God by choosing not to defile themselves by going against God's word. Even when he initially got a no, He did not relent, but found a way not to defile himself, and God came through for him. God came through for him. Remember that it was after the 10 days that they looked better than other guys who had eaten the meat and drank the wine that was from God. This was God coming through for them, so that they wouldn't go against his word. And so for us, like Daniel, we ought to do the same where we would purpose in our hearts not to defile ourselves. And so my question to you today is, what is defiling you? Is it unforgiveness? Is it a bondage to something? Is it your gossiping? Is it your lying? Is it like me, social media? What is defiling you? What is the thing that is defiling you? What is the thing that is unsettling you? What is the thing that the Holy Spirit is prodding you and being like that thing? That thing is defiling you. Because, it's, because as Paul says, anything that is not of faith is sin. And the thing is that sometimes get rid of that thing that is defiling you is not as easy as we witnessed from Daniel's story. It wasn't easy. The guy had to go and jump all these kind of hoops to be able to just be able to walk through this path of being able to follow through with what it is that God required of them. But God came through for them. In that, when they were asked to be tested for ten days, in fact, it was from the beginning. He came through for them. That when the, that their heads weren't chopped off, when they went to the chief um, uh, 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 servant of, of Nebuchadnezzar to be able to ask the guy to just not defile themselves, he rejected the request. But even just them asking, the favor came when the guard that they went to speak to the guard, and he agreed to test them for 10 days the favor came in that after those 10 days that they looked better than all these other people this was god literally walking with them because they had purpose not to defile themselves and god time and time again literally just like it says in first corinthians ten thirteen, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and god is faithful god was faithful to daniel and his friends He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Meaning that being able to walk away from those things that defile us may not be easy. Just like it was for Daniel and his friends, it wasn't easy. But God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful to Daniel and his friends. Because they had purpose in their hearts not to defile themselves. God faithfully helped them to be able to find favor with that chief. To find favor with the guard. To be able to eat those vegetables and to be, look better than everyone else. And for the duration of that time, to be able to just look so just yeah glowing. This was God literally walking with them through this temptation. Where they had purpose that they would choose not to defile themselves. Now, the beauty about us, similar to what God did for Daniel and his friends, is that we too have a helper in the Holy Spirit. That though it may be difficult in the world that we live in to avoid things that defile us, he can help us in the same way that he helped Daniel and his friends. He can help us in the the very, very same way to be able to navigate away from the things that defile us. But the thing is, is that this begins, if you notice from the story of Daniel, it began from the purposing in their hearts. It wasn't from the action, from the purposing in their hearts that they wanted to do things God's way. And that's where it begins for us, where we purpose in our hearts that we do not want to continue to do the things that we know defile us. And so my question to you today again is this, what is defiling you, what is polluting your peace? It may be something that you know is wrong because God says it in his word, or it may be something that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. Write it down. And the thing is, is to purpose, to bring purpose in your heart, to bring this before the Lord. To talk to him about it and to allow him to help you overcome. Because we have a helper in the Holy Spirit who can help us to overcome in Jesus' name. He can help us to overcome. One of the things, and even as as, as, I, as I as I as I close this, is that as I talk about this, is that I looked at this and I was thinking to myself, how is this like? There are some people here who are probably listening to me and there's some stuff that you're really struggling with. Stuff that you know is polluting your peace. It's polluting your spirit. It's defiling you. God had, The reason why God put this, all these laws is because he wanted his people to be set apart. And you know that there are certain things that you're just like, I need to... And for you, if you're listening to me, Right now, you're just thinking of this. This There's something that has come to mind. There's something that you know of. I I, I kept thinking as I was reading this, I was like, for you who's listening and you know what that thing is, I want you to consider maybe to purpose in your heart that you talk to God about this. But beyond that, in terms of like just as an action point, that you'd probably do the same thing that Daniel and his friends did, that for 10 days, that just purpose in your heart to just in faith step away from that thing that you know is defiling you whether it's unforgiveness whether it's whatever it is whatever it is that's the thing that you know is defiling you and allow the Holy Spirit just basically bring this thing to the Lord bring this thing to the altar and allow the Holy Spirit to help you to walk away allow the holy spirit to heal allow the holy spirit to cleanse and i put down here like 10 days just simply because of just in faith just because of the scripture that maybe we will do the same thing now for the next 10 days that you would purpose within your heart that you're just like you know what then we'll we'll, we'll after the 10 days we'll see what happens <laughs> right let's let's Right now i'm just asking you to have to have enough faith for 10 days <laughs> right come and carry enough faith for 10 days, just the same way Daniel and his friends was just like, may I please just give us 10 days that you'd have enough faith to be able to do that just for the next 10 days. And even as I close, one of the things that really was in my heart in regards to this same story specifically, is that, and this came to me this morning actually, is that I was thinking how one of the ways in which this world indoctrinates us is It causes us to be loveless, and not to be able to love one another. And one of the things that you realize is that what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross is that because of his death and resurrection, he comes and he says to us that I have already accomplished all these things on your behalf. And now I come and I tell you that these are the two commandments that I want you to follow. That I want you to love God, and I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. The whole purpose of the reason why God gave these laws to these people and the children of Israel was to set them apart was to set them apart and what Jesus says is that he says to us that how people will know that we are his disciples how people will know that we belong to God is not because of anything at you or my outward appearances it is because of how we love one another and so I also wonder that have we been defiling ourselves through our loveless lives where it is that we are always looking to basically have our rights hard. I remember watching the other day something where this girl was saying, you know, you should only, you should only uh, show up for people who show up for you. That is literally the indoctrination and the theology of this world. But the theology of Christ, the theology of Christ tells us and speaks to us about the guy who slaps you in one cheek and you turn the other cheek. This is the literal love that Jesus Christ who says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That in this world we exist in where there are people who are just broken and hurt who have very little ability to show up for you. That Jesus Christ says that I have shown up for you, so show up for others regardless of what it is. That we should show love for one another and this is how they will know that you belong to me. And I just felt this deep conviction today to be able to share with you who's listening that Jesus Christ is calling us to not defile ourselves by living a loveless life, to not defile ourselves by being those who are indoctrinated by this world and believing That it's really about us and not recognize that it's about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that we can extend that same love that he has given to us to others. Love covers a multitude of sins. There are so many times you have to walk away from people who are offending you. Not because of anything other than the fact that Jesus Christ has loved you. And that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. I just wanted to share that part as I close right now. And one of the last things that I'll say to you today is this, is that for me as Eric Thimba, part of the way in which I believe that I can show love to you is by being able to tell you who is listening and who does not know Jesus Christ. That Jesus loves you. And that you can come into a relationship with him. And the thing is, this is that at this very moment, that when you put your faith in Him, that His gift to you is eternal life. And so today I'm going to finish with a prayer calling you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That if you do not know Him, I want you to come to faith in Jesus Christ today. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that then at that moment in time that then we experience his salvation and so that's what i want you to do today to believe because you have believed in your heart i now want you to confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and that he died for you and so say this prayer with me lord jesus i thank you for your mercy and grace i thank you that you love me i admit that i am a sinner need of your grace and so Lord I submit myself to you come into my life transform me change me thank you for accepting me into your family voice in Jesus name we pray amen God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, whoever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.